Hello and welcome to the second episode of Small Talk with Stormsfield. My name is Abby Allison. I'm an RA this year and I'm sitting here with Miss Gloria Scott Richmond, um, one of my favorite people in the whole world. <laughs> um, so Miss Gloria, do you mind just introducing yourself to our listeners, kind of explaining your role on campus? Sure, Abby, you're one of my favorite people on the planet too. <laughs> and thank you for this opportunity to share. My name is Gloria Scott Richmond, and I am the first director of the new Office of Racial and Ethnic Relations right here at Lee University. This office, the opening of this office, has been the answer to collective millions, and I'm not exaggerating, millions of prayers, thoughts, dreams, questions, spoken frustrations, visions, proposals, requests, and wishes of the mosaic of Lee College and Lee University students and employees. This has been a long time in the making. Mm -hmm. And I remember it was June the 11th of this year and I was called into the president's office, who is now our chancellor. And I remember Dr. Khan coming in to the conference room, and he said, Gloria, God has been speaking to my heart. No, hello, no, right. how are you doing, <laughs> no, how's your family? It was, God has been speaking to my heart, and I believe He's been speaking to yours, too. And I'm like, okay, this went right from a meeting to mm -hmm. whatever happens in the next few moments is going to change my life. Because yeah. I didn't know. He said, we need a place that people of color are welcomed. Everyone is welcomed. Mm -hmm. And so this space is... Um, has been created for transformation, not just change on the university campus, but transformation, and which goes beyond rhetoric, yeah. warm, fuzzy speeches, and you know, in the background you hear kumbaya, <laughs> you know. But this office becomes a part of the conscience and the consciousness of Lee University, and it really forces us to take a look in the mirror yeah. that God has provided to view what our purpose is as an institution and as individuals. And so the reach, the work, and the influence of this office goes far beyond this space. Mm -hmm. so much for sharing that and just a little bit yeah the history of this office and your heart and Lee's heart for you know the mission um so again thank you so much for talking with us today we're talking about racial battle fatigue and um so before we kind of dive into some of the questions I have about that I just wanted to kind of go over the definition um so racial battle fatigue Battle fatigue, sorry, is a term coined by critical race theorist William Smith. 
It was originally a term used when referencing African-American men in America, but has grown to encompass all people of color in America who are experiencing negative and racially motivated experiences. It's the natural response to stress, both mentally and emotionally. So, Miss Gloria, my first question for you is how has your racial identity shaped your role on Lee's campus, not only as a faculty member currently, but also in your former years as a student? Let me just try to illustrate this with a story from my mom's background. My parents are Jamaican, and they moved to the United Kingdom, specifically England, in the late 50s, because Jamaica was ruled, it was under the British Empire. Um, so mom and dad, just for a better way of life, moved to England. A lady came up to my mom and asked her to see her tail. Wow. And I remember hearing this story as a child, early teens, I don't think we would, mom and dad, they, they chose when to tell us things, mm -hmm. and I, their wisdom is just God-given. Yeah. And instead of squatting up, my mom, full of the Holy Ghost, <laughs> looked at this lady and made a choice. And she said, ma'am, I don't have a tail. My physiological makeup is the same as yours um. and the lady you know she's blushing and she said I am so sorry because we were taught that you were a monkey wow and my mom instead of choosing to scream at this mm -hmm. woman she chose to educate yeah and she turned and went wherever she was going with her head held high. She never to told us, when she was telling us that story, mom has never said how she felt, but what she chose to do. Mm -hmm. And so being a black woman on Lee College campus back in the day, in the yeah. Iron Age, when I first came, <laughs> and now hasn't changed me as a person because I came to this place knowing who I was. Yeah. And it's not a matter of racial pride as much as it is a matter of knowing who I am as a child of God, mm -hmm. that he calls me worth it. Yeah. And he calls me worth it to die Yeah. for my sins. Worth it. And then, because of his blood, I'm worthy. Mm-hmm. Of course, my brother's... They had to go through the, have the talk of what to do when a police officer stops you. Mm -hmm. And how to govern yourself when you go into a store and somebody asks, may I help you? Yeah. 
when there's other customers in the store, right. you know? So mom and dad did not shield us from the real world, but they taught us how to navigate, sure. how to work within the system to change the system, therefore transforming the system, yeah. making it better, being a part of the solution and not the problem, because the problem is there. Right. We, you know, they did not teach us to bury our heads in the sand, but they just taught us that, remember who you are, whose you are, you're our children, but you belong to Jesus. Mm. That's your ultimate. Yeah. <laughs> That's your ultimate parent. That's your God. That's who your God is. One who made all of us in his image. Yeah. And, you know, Abby, this... There's a look that sometimes people give, and I can't describe to you what that look is. I can't articulate it, mm -hmm. but there is a look when somebody feels that they are superior to anybody else that doesn't sure. have the same skin color as they do. But the way that I've chosen to navigate is honestly, I can't be anybody else but myself. So being content in the shell that I'm in, mm -hmm. in this jar of clay, <laughs> because remember that saying, uh, it used to be on t-shirts and, and uh, posters that God made me and he doesn't make junk. Yeah. Having that sense of self-worth and loving who I am, because you know what? I can pretend to be somebody else, somebody that I'm not, but at the end of the day, when I lay down, guess what? I'm always going to be me. I can yeah. run from my heritage if I choose to. I don't, but if I chose to run from my heritage, then at the end of the day, I'm always chasing me. In this new position, what pressures do you feel in your role as the director of the Department of Racial and Ethnic Relations? It's not so much of pressure. I don't feel that. I don't feel pressure to perform. Okay. Because yeah. this is new. Sure. Who am I to be compared to? Really? <laughs> yeah. Right? But obviously I want to do it right. So I don't feel pressure, but I do feel the weight of the responsibility. Sure, okay. Because whether I'm in this office, yes or no, this office is here, it's been established. So I do feel the weight of the responsibility to make sure that my measured steps, my deliberate first steps in this office are ordered by the Lord. Yeah and that I'm listening to him for my cues, pleasing him, and doing right, Abby, by everybody on this campus. Sure. Because remember now, it's the Office of Racial and Ethnic Relations. That means because you are a white woman, 
that's who God has made you to be. Mm-hmm. That's the family that he's chosen for you to be in. I should not neglect your needs mm-hmm. because it's racial and ethnic relations. I can't say, well, I'm going to look after all the black people on this campus. Right. That's reverse discrimination. Mm-hmm. That is not who God has, has uh, purposed us to be. We are our brothers and our sisters keeper. Um, my, that weight of responsibility involves advocating for the needs of students and employees. Yeah. And alumni. Sure. From racially, ethnically, and internationally diverse backgrounds. So that means I can't favor one group over another. Mm-hmm. I have to look, I have to acknowledge that there are differences. Being colorblind, for me, when people say that they're colorblind, that's kind of a um, an ignorant saying. Sure. That's me. Because if you don't see the beautiful mosaic that God has created, mm-hmm. you, you've missed the point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, to me, it's a cop-out. Yeah. Well, I don't see color. You better <laughs> open your eyes. But in that, with this office, that weight of responsibility is making sure that I advocate for, empower, and support everyone. Yeah. Now, if there's a, a section or a segment or a certain demographic of our campus that needs more support at any given time, of course. Mm-hmm. That's what I need to do. Um, one of my favorite stories from this summer it happened in South Carolina where an African-American, he's an older middle-aged gentleman, said to a white brother who was disgruntled because this was a Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. um, event. And the white brother was saying, oh, man, all lives matter, and I don't understand why we have to focus on just black lives mattering and da 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 da. Well, a young black brother was about to go to him. He was, you know, <laughs> right, was sure, about to squat up, and the the older gentleman said, "Son, I'll deal with this." He went to the white man and he said, "We'll probably never agree on this." But, and this is a true story, he said, all the bones in my body matter. Mm. But if one of my bones, I believe he said, he referenced wrist, but if my wrist is broken, I had better pay attention to it. Right. And I was saying just last night, you can only suppress and oppress people for so long. Mm. until there is an explosive 
please help me. Yeah. And what we're seeing in this nation in particular is a cry for help. Usually when, you know, a child, when the child is trying to get your attention, they'll probably say, Abby, Abby, and then the decibel level will get Right. And so that's what's happened is the decibel level has reached a fever pitch of the demographic of of different people. I'm talking Native Americans are hurting, mm-hmm. been hurting. Yeah. Latinos are hurting. Yeah. Asians are hurting. Sure. Whites are hurting. Mm. Blacks are hurting. We face a hurting nation right now. And so you listen. You pay attention to that risk because you want to be sure to treat that risk so that it doesn't grow out of place Mm -hmm. and you have even more complications later. So it is not so much a pressure, Abby, as I do feel the weight of the mantle. Sure. always astounded by your God-given wisdom and the way that you lead and so can't think of anybody better to be in office in this position. Um, So my next question is focusing a little bit more on that racial battle fatigue that we mentioned earlier. So in your opinion, why is an understanding of racial battle, battle fatigue important? Why is that sensitivity towards the oppression of our brothers and sisters important? Let's go back to that broken wrist. Yeah. So in the natural, so in the spiritual, so in the emotional. If something is wrong, Abby, we have a propensity to try to fix it. I heard a speaker last night say that if you have a sibling, that has hurt themselves, you're not just going to pray for them, even though prayer is vital. Sure. Vital. But aren't you going to pray and put a band-aid on that? <laughs> right, hand? right. Or if it's even serious, even more serious, you're gonna call 911. That sensitivity to the needs of our brothers and our sisters because we all came from yeah. one couple. Yeah, yeah, And even before the Ten Commandments were given on Mount Sinai, even before the first established church, wasn't there a family? Mm. And we are all family listen if you have o positive blood and i need blood abby i would be <laughs> so grateful in order that i live yeah that i receive that transfusion in order that i live and stay living sure and so to be racially sensitive to be racially aware mm-hmm is really being a 
a voice for your brother or your sister. You speak. You John Lewis. Mm. See something, say something. That old song that says, "If I can," it comes down to helping somebody as I go along, so that my living will not be in vain. You see somebody on the road to Jericho. You have a choice. You can either go across the street like the priest and the scribe did, or you can be like the good Samaritan and make it your business to check in on people. And so with that sensitivity, I see, and I've, I've spoken about this a lot of times in the last few months, is allowing people into our space. Mm -hmm. Not everybody that does not look like us is out to get us. Yeah. There's, there has to be somebody that will have compassion on, on us. And then gently stepping into somebody else's world. It's scary. Yeah. But I think it's worth the risk. And if, you, if you're not allowed into somebody's world, find somebody else. Sure. Be proactive, not reactive. Mm. Um, it's scary. Yeah. Because sometimes you don't think people are interested in your plight. Mm-hmm. But take a chance. Yeah. Take a chance. These things are very elementary and very um, seem to be simplistic, but I believe that the simpler things of life, loving one another, mm -hmm. loving our neighbor as ourselves. Yeah. Not saying, oh, I love Jesus, but I hate my brother. Mm. In First John... He writes that the love of God is not in that person. Because how can you love God who you can't see and hate your brother that you do see? Right. And if we are indeed made in the image of God, Imago Dei, mm. then how can I really in good conscience hate you? Yeah because we're we have a different shell color right because i would not go to church and say instead of saying lord i love you lord i hate you and lift my hands mm. isn't that re a de ridiculous yeah. but really that's what we do i hate your creation that's whack <laughs> <laughs> so true you, you know what i mean yeah it's extreme but um being racially sensitive, allowing somebody to come into my world and gently stepping into somebody's world, it's a risk. Mm-hmm, definitely. But if we don't do that, we're gonna implode. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for that answer. I know this is a bit of a heavy topic, but um, 
I just have one more question. It's a bit of a two-parted question. Um, so the first part is how do you cope or manage or respond to various microaggressions that you experience as a black woman? And then in that, how do we all collectively love one another, protect one another, um, stand up and defend one another um, during a time where things are a little bit dicey? Let me go back to how I handle microaggression. I remember, this was a while ago, I was a student at Laysdale, and there was a young lady, for whatever reason, she was just pompous. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that was the... <laughs> <laughs> that was the uh, perceptive, at least, that I had. I'm not going to necessarily say that she didn't, she behaved that way towards me because I was a young black woman and she was a young white woman. I don't know. It might have been our personalities. Who knows? Sure. Because sometimes we label things the wrong way. And I remember I went to the mall with my friends one day. And you know when somebody, they can see that you are you and you are right there and they have to pass you. Mm. But then they look away and then pretend like you're not there. I was like, no, I know. (laughs) You see my black self right Right. here. You know? And, uh, excuse me, brown, mocha, <laughs> so right here. And so, I, but then I would see her on campus, and it would be like, uh, I was like, nah, I don't have time for that, because that's trifling to me. Right. All right, fast forward. Uh, we were um, at a huge venue. It was the General Assembly, and it was in Texas, and you know, everything is bigger in Texas, we were at this Man. giant arena, and I had the opportunity to sing with the campus choir, reunion choir, and, and oh man, it was, what a great experience. So the next day, I saw myself on all those little video things, mm-hmm. you know, that they're trying to sell. <laughs> And it was embarrassing, for me anyway, it was embarrassing because <laughs> I, I looked and I was like, oh. <laughs> and that day, that young lady, she saw me from afar. She was like, hey, Gloria. And honestly, Abby, a part of me just wanted to do what she did. Right. In the mall and just go and talk to somebody else. <laughs> right. But the Holy Spirit checked me. Mm. And he said, Gloria, you don't, that's not the way. That's not the way to behave. And so I greeted her as civilly as I could. And that's the way that I've had to cope with microaggressions, mm. whether perceived, sure. whether overt, covert, whatever is a lot of times the Holy Spirit will will not hide the behavior from me, 
but will govern how I respond, not mm-hmm. want respond to that type of behavior. Now, I am not a foolish person. If you don't want me in your life, Abby, I am not going to break down the door because the Bible does say that if at all possible, live at peace with all men. Sure. I am so glad that the Holy Spirit included that scripture mm-hmm. because some of us would be beating ourselves up mm-hmm. by people who don't like us or who do not love us. I can't be anybody else but me. Yeah. Who God's created me to be. And and so I the Lord has really, really helped me. And many years ago, God delivered me from people. <laughs> <laughs> and their their opinions to detect to uh, to influence my actions. Sure. Because again, the word of God says that if your ways please God, mm. even your very enemies will be at peace with you. Wow. And so I'm like, God, your opinion of me is what matters. Yeah. If at the end of the day, I lay my head to rest, and you've told me that I've done a great job today, boom, I'm going to sleep. Yeah. (laughs) And I will rest. Yeah. I'll rest in you. Seriously, let me quote one of my summer honor students. I taught a class this um, summer called 10 Days to Change the World. Wow. And um, the assignment was the scenario, the final scenario was that the students had to appear before the United Nations. Mm. And then they had to take on the role of being a youth ambassador. They picked a country and they would examine the needs of that country and then try to come up with some viable solutions. All right. One of the young men that was in the class and we discussed diversity issues, we discussed all kinds of things, but we did hone in on diversity, inclusion, racial reconciliation, so biblical social justice, because there is a difference. Sure. Um, he said, while we were discussing a great book by David Anderson, it's called Gracism. Mm. Man, powerful, powerful book. And in essence, that book highlights what happens when you put the G in front of racism and you put the G in front of racist. Mm. You get gracism and you get gracist. And honestly, 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 Abby, that's how we as Christ followers should put G representing God, our Heavenly Father, in whom His image we are created. 
before racism, before racist, before everything. Yeah. And grant grace. Mm-hmm. Easier said than done. But let me go back to that young man. So as we were discussing this, this was our textbook for the class. Sure. And we'd spend the uh, time during the lesson. Um, they would, their assignment was to read the chapters. And then we had groups. And that group would come back the next day and they would be the experts. And we would ask them questions um, about what we had what they had read and so on. And he said, Mrs. Goria, it starts at the cross. Hmm. Wow. There's a lot of rhetoric. There's a lot of theories. You mentioned one, critical race theory. Mm -hmm. And some people are like, no, heresy. But there are, if you look at critical race theory and you line it up or put it against the word of God, there are some principles, not all, mm. there are some principles that we can truly glean from with critical race theory. Mm. It's a theory that causes us to look at ourselves sure. and some very critical areas that we don't want to talk about we don't want to address because we don't want to offend sometimes as the movie line the famous movie line is that we can't handle the truth <laughs> but the greatest revolutionary that ever lived ever walked on this earth the lord jesus christ yeah he told it like it was. And yet he loved unconditionally. Mm -hmm. Even when people messed up, Peter denying him, lovest thou me more than these? Lord, you know I love you. Yeah. I love that quote. It starts at the cross. It's a level playing field. Sure. Yeah. And there's times when we have those uncomfortable conversations, but oh Lord, do we ever need to have them? Mm -hmm. And you know what, Abby? There may not be a solution that's visible at first. But you keep planting seeds of hope, mm -hmm. seeds of love, seeds of faith, seeds of I will stand up for you, Abby. Yeah. When we're not in the same room and somebody's talking about your race, that seed that says, no, that's not right. And checking my friend group. Mm, yeah. Speaking up for one another, even when nobody hears and we're behind closed doors, how are we affirming one another? How are we lifting up 
God's creation. Yeah. Being honest. And then trying trying to come to an understanding, trying to understand, well, Abby, why why do you do it that way? Because mm-hmm. a lot of the the tumult that we in in my estimation and just things that I've observed, especially in the last few months, is that there's a lot of ignorance. Yeah. And the ignorance is breeding fear, and fear is breeding hatred and bitterness and sheer evil. Mm-hmm. And for what cause? It is heavy. Yeah. But are we willing to lift the load off of somebody's back? Right. How are we treating each other? Are we allowing the world to dictate how we should treat each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord? Mm-hmm, I don't think so. Right. Yeah. Wow. Ah, I feel like I could sit here and listen to you answer questions <laughs> forever. Um, <laughs> no, but, we have to go to class. Right. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, thank you so much, Miss Gloria, for just taking a little bit of time out of your day to talk about these very heavy things um, with us and I know our goal for this podcast is just to start these conversations to bring light to bring education Um, and so hopefully that is what today has done is at least started or at least brought some thoughts to people's minds so I very much appreciate it I'm so so thankful you're in this role and on our campus thank you so much